Hey, it's Nick Cavuto, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Did I say your last name right? Yes, you did. All right. <laughs> all right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Relationships and Revenue Show. I am your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled to have you spend a little bit of time with me today. And I am equally thrilled to have as my guest, Nick Cavuto. Nick, how are you today? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me here today. I appreciate it so much, man. Oh, you bet. You bet. Well, listeners, to let you know who Nick is, Nick is a high-performance business coach and an entrepreneurial mentor in the areas of success, mindset, success mindset, if I could say that right, (laughs) (laughs) personal branding, and humor. We're going to have to talk about that part a little bit. (laughs) I like that idea. Okay. It's all about uh, experience for him, but he has two other titles that I think he probably will agree with me are his two most important. And those are husband and dad. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Sweet. All right. So now that we've told the listeners a little bit, I mean, just barely scratched the surface as to who you are, Nick, take us back a little bit, kind of take us from where you were before and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, well, my goodness, uh, what a story to tell and an experience to share. I'm 33 years old at the time of this recording in 2020. Um, and when I look back, I feel like I've lived multiple lives already. Mm. Um, you know, I, I grew up in New York, uh, Italian family, really loving, awesome, amazing family. Um, and, you know, as time went on, uh, you know, and I started really finding my own roots, my upbringing was really unique. My father actually used to be a drug dealer. So until he was about 30 years old. Mm. And then my my dad had an encounter with God and uh, made a big shift in his life. Give me one second. Don't drive me nuts. Uh, he made a big shift in his life. And when my father made this shift in his life, it's really where he encountered Christ for the first time. And uh, he actually went to an Ernest Angley conference and uh, my grandmother and his sisters convinced him to stay. And he actually broke into the building to get them in. So it just gives you an idea around like where he was at in life yeah. when he found Christ and, and uh, really made a step into the right direction for his life. And that's kind of what happens, right? There's, there's moments in life of where there are kind of these synchronicities or these you know, random moments that seem to happen. And really, it's just God tapping us on the shoulder and providing an opportunity for us to step forward. And so, uh, yeah, I watched my father, you know, through life, he actually dropped out of college, uh, or excuse me, high school, uh, when he was in eighth grade. So he has an eighth grade education. uh, And I watched him develop his skills as an entrepreneur. I mean, he was an entrepreneur kind of in its truest sense, in in certain ways, until he was (laughs) old. But then him and my grandfather started multiple businesses and um, my grandfather's father. So my great grandfather uh, was also an entrepreneur. So it's like over a hundred years of bloodline there uh, for the entrepreneurial journey. And we're always been big on family and big on business. And so, um, yeah, my father taught me amazing lessons. I mean, obviously the time that being 33, the time that I've known him, he's 
uh, in his later 60s now. Um, I knew him as the man of God, uh, who was really, you know, interested in just propelling people forward and finding their potential really through their, through who they are at their core, who God has created them to be. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's been a super inspiring story. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I have two other brothers. I'm the youngest of three mm. and, uh, yeah, just feel really privileged. I live in Denver, Colorado now, and I got my own family and my wife, Ashley, and I have three kids, five and under, uh, London. Wow. And Zara. So yeah, we got we got a wild house with a raging business that's growing really fast. And also at the same time, ensuring that we maintain the proper balance for my wife and I and making yes. that a priority yes. first. And, you know, I, I follow the order Jason Pearl, who's my CRO, and he's been a great friend of mine for a long time. Hmm. It's, you know, uh, faith, family and everything else. And that's how go. we like to keep the order. Yep. Perfect, man. Love that. Okay. Podcast done. he gave it all to us right there (laughs) all right so one of the things i want to talk a little bit about some of these brands that you've worked with because you know sometimes people come in and they listen to an episode and it's like i've never really heard of this nick cavuto guy so why should i listen to him Mm -hmm. here's the reason people that i want you to listen to nick let me just tell you a little bit about the brands he's worked with or has been featured in mentioned in when you hear these, you're like, okay, I need to listen. All right, here we go. He's been featured on iHeartRadio, NBC, Fox, Dr. Axe, which, by the way, love him. He's amazing. Oh, gosh. Let me see some of these other brands you work with. Forbes, Entrepreneur. Oh, so, uh, Gary V. Hello. Any of you people know him? And Scores More. So... I'm kind of singing your praises here for everybody, but I want them to have a context to say, okay, Nick isn't just kind of sharing his stuff. It's like people have recognized that you know what you're talking about and you're getting featured in places. You're getting asked to be on certain things and you're able to share not only who you are, but what you know with lots and lots of people. Yeah, man. I honestly am just an ordinary guy who's just passionate about what I do. And it sounds really uh, interesting. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I kind of don't believe it just as much as you don't when it when you say it. Um, and I think that's just attributed to the idea that I only ever got into entrepreneurship because I kind of ran out of options. Mm. You know, like I, I grew and was working with Fortune 500 brands and startups in Boston and New York and um, every company that I was collaborating with, it just exploded. It was kind of like, I don't know, I felt like I just kind of would walk around and very carefully just like push on something, and, you know, just <laughs> blow up and they'd get massive growth. And I do attribute that to spiritual gifting of like, I just feel that like God's hand is on my life. And I feel like Mm -hmm. he gave me a promise when I was 12 years old, that no matter what I did, it would work. It'd be successful. Um, My parents spoke that over my life since I was a kid. So, so there's a lot that goes in behind that, but um, I would suggest that in the season that I'm in now, uh, and even looking just back at the story, it's like, you know, I just always showed up and just did my best. You know, I didn't take no as an answer from people. I was very respectful, but very disruptive, if that makes (laughs) sense. Like, you know, I kind of had like, you know, like when I was when I was collaborating with a Fortune 500 brand, I was responsible for over a billion dollars worth of product. Mm. And, you know, when you uncover twenty five million dollars of open leads and they want more leads, it's going to cause a problem. So the SVPs of marketing and, you know, they loved me while the SVPs of sales were like, we don't care that you've doubled our sales team. You just exposed 
us in a huge way. And I'm like, well, deal with it. I don't know what to tell you. So I'm very results focused, but very compassionate and loving. And I think that kind of goes down into everything in my life that like results matter in business more than more than anything. Yeah. Uh, but so does having a kind heart and showing up oh, and just being a good person. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that, Nick. You know, it's one of the things that seems to be missing in business, especially I've noticed more on the corporate level than on the small business or entrepreneurial level is, you know, I hate to say it this way, but almost, you know, relationships be damned as long as the bottom line is covered. And I'm like, you're not going to get to the bottom line if you don't focus on the relationships. That's the point. Hmm. And I, th I think it's unfortunate, but some of the, it's taking some of these folks who had that mindset, who are aging out of that, because it just, they're not in business anymore. They're retired and they're out of it. And others starting to realize, you know what, relationships really are important. As um, Susie Miller, who I think you know, uh, is, is known for saying, you know, relationships are currency. They are the currency. Yeah, it's the greatest accelerator in the world. That's... I like to say relationships are rocket ships. I got to get the t-shirt. Okay. Right. Um, Definitely. And that's the same big idea. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's there's the idea when, when it comes to content production, I, and I kind of relay it this way, you know, that your content builds relationships and then relationships build trust and trust drives revenue. So if nice. you want more revenue, you've got to do it in the right order. Um, and, and really revenue yes. provides yeah. an opportunity for transformation. So if we can get our content resonating with people in a way that I like to call authentic influence, which is like where you're really showing up real and raw as who you are, then it gives you the opportunity to step into that next stage of relationship. And when you do that and people see that you care and that you're an awesome human being and you actually give a crap, that's another thing. The best yeah. marketing strategy ever is to actually care. Just, just yeah. care, just care about people. And it works incredibly well. It does. Um, so yeah, if you can follow that big idea, um, it's pretty incredible the results that follow thereafter. So yeah, a lot of what I am known for is in the content production space. Mm -hmm. uh, I created a system that's generated over a billion views online for myself and my clients and you attributed to some of that earlier. Um, but I, I like the, the, the process of content creation because it gives me proximity to people that I want to help develop as far as their purpose or mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is within their business, their big idea of what they want to accomplish in life. So it's a gateway for me. Absolutely. Let's talk some more about that gateway. Kind of flesh that out for us here. Yeah. So um, I'll go back to the thesis because I think it's important. And if you're not driving uh, and you're by your desk right now, like go ahead and write it down. Content builds relationships, relationships build trust and trust drives revenue. So if I just break down those sections, I can't go through all of them today, but what I can <laughs> do for sure is help you just kind of get an entry point when it comes to content production and how you can show up in a different way to create a massive amount of engagement within your audience. Mm. I actually just the other night was, um, was taking an inventory of the most amount of questions that people have asked me. And it's amazing. The number one question was on audience growth which I think really? is unique. I didn't assume that, right? And you guys probably can relate in the mode of transparency here that like sometimes what we think the people around us want isn't actually what they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so like there's a really good finding there of going back and going slower and digging deeper. And so creating a wildly engaged audience mm -hmm. has been one of those things that I've done really well for people. And again, since it's one of those 1% things, it's just something we sometimes overlook. Yeah. So 
the best way to create content that's going to attract your, you know, ideal client or, you know, uh, your, your authentic client, the one that really wants to connect with you and, and learn from you is going to be first to tell a vulnerable story. Okay. Now, if you guys notice about my story, when you say, where did it all start? I started that story in a place of what most people would assume is a great failure. <laughs> you know, I, I love my father. Like he's amazing. I talk to him every single week. He's my spiritual mentor. I mean, he's, you know, just an incredibly dynamic and powerful human being. Uh, I, I care so deeply about him. And I tell that story because at the same time, it's fun. It's kind of like, you can kind of already start the movie reel in your head, right? Like this, you know, big Italian drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like there's vulnerability there for me to say that. And not just that I, you know, grew up in a cookie cutter home and all these other things that I just kind of would, you know, ramble on about that life is perfect. Life is far from perfect. You know, like what we do to show up every single day is we look at the situations that are in the present and those are perfect. But mm. if I had to write a script to a movie and be like, how does that line up in order to where I'm at today? Uh, they wouldn't match as the perfect story, but it's perfectly present. And that's to me what I love about it so much. So in your content creation process, just like I started with vulnerability, I want you to think about how you can start with vulnerability to your audience. And this is a really easy formula on how to do this. Uh, tell a story that would create transparency between you and your audience. Okay. And in the process of telling a story that would create transparency, I want to make sure that one thing is really clear. Because one time I didn't tell a guy about this, and then he posted when he got divorced, uh, he posted like Instagram live videos of him throwing his stuff, his wife's stuff out the door, um, which was not good. And he found out there was a just whole situation going on. Yeah. So uh, we don't want to do that. And so this is why I say that um, <laughs> scars are cool, but okay. gushing wounds are disgusting. Okay. There you so, go. There you go. All in the right. process right. of your content creation being vulnerable, right? Yes. It's okay to show a scar, something you've healed from, something that has a solution at the end of the story. My father, Thank right? He has a solution you. at the end. Why? Because he found purpose in God and really got on with his life and became an amazing entrepreneur. So in the same thing for you, make sure you have a solution to the end of the story. Don't just air out your dirty laundry, okay? That's not what this is about. And if you do that, that's okay. You'll actually probably get some help. And so uh, if you don't take my advice and you go do it anyway, someone will reach out and be there for you. But in the big idea, scars are cool. Gushing wounds are disgusting. All right. All right. Digging that. Digging that. Okay. So, um, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about you beyond the fact that you are, uh, as you say, real and raw talking about yourself and where you come from. When you go out to your website, which everyone, it's nickcavuto.com. And again, if you're on a run or you're driving, don't write this down. It'll be in the show notes. So don't sweat that. But you have a really cool download available for anybody who wants it. And so tell us a little bit about that. Because I think yeah. a lot of the folks listening will really get something out of that. And it relates to what you were talking about. Yeah, for sure. So um, there's 13 different types of content that every entrepreneur needs to know about as far as in the process of creating content that will develop relationships and more engagement and an audience that's really locked in on your content. So there's 13 different types of content. I explain them in that download. So if you guys want to just, yeah, jet over to my website, nickcavuto.com at the very bottom, uh, there's just a, you know, a quick, um, uh, 
subscribe button basically. And you can put in your information and I'll kick it over to you. And by the way, I don't use like fancy PDFs or anything. It's right inside of a Google doc. It's easy right. for you to click and copy or do whatever you want with. Uh, my goal is to be of service. So feel free to jump over there and, and get that information. Yeah. And by the way, folks, I, I downloaded it and there's some tremendous stuff in there. It's really helpful. Um, as Nick said, you know, it's, it's not a fancy PDF, but it seems very clear, Nick, that your goal is to help people as quickly as possible and not worry about that. That's for other people to do. Let other people worry about <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. I get that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, creating documents in Google is very disarming. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people are yeah. so used to like these oh, look at all, oh, this is all jazzed up and it's this funnel and it's this thing. And I, I just like to break all the rules. That's that's what I do. I'm disruptive. So I like to just kind of go like, well, what if we went this way? Uh, it's it's not right or wrong. It's just different. And I think people are wired to notice what's different as well. So I always get a lot of comments around like, that's actually kind of cool that I was just in a Google Doc. I'm like, yeah, because that's how we learn. Yeah, we, we learn by consuming information in that format. And so I'm just obsessed with human behavior. And that's why I do strange things like that. But, um, but yeah, at the same time, it's actually worked out incredibly well, people love it. So now I do all of that stuff inside of Google Docs, I just try to give you information that you can store and keep and I hope is valuable. Oh, yeah. And plus, when you do it that way, it's easily accessible no matter where you are. So true. Yeah, I love that. And just as an aside, listeners, when you go to Nick's site, one of the other things you're going to notice from the moment it loads, by the way, it loads very quickly. I'll just let you know that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's black and white, which again is different than how most people do it. So I love the fact that you're willing to take some risks, Nick, and to do things just a little bit different. I think it also helps you get noticed, remembered, that kind of thing. So yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, there's a book that I read, it was called The Brand Gap, Marty Niedemeyer, he was a professor of marketing, and human psychology. Uh, uh, and he was, in, he was in San Diego, an incredibly brilliant guy. It's one of the first books I ever read on marketing before I even knew that I was good at it. It's just a very natural ability. Mm. Um, and he has a page in his book, and it talks about differentiation. And it says uh, that we are wired to notice what's different. Mm -hmm. We're wired to notice what's different. And what he shows, and again, this book's called The Brand Gap, Connected Between Business Strategy and Creativity. Mm -hmm. And what he shows is a chart with um, uh, basically all these circles all over the, it's like polka dots basically, but all of them are the same like kind of outline with nothing in the center besides one. Wow. And that's the whole deal. We're wired to notice yeah. what's different. So that image burns in my head in my creative process, uh, which is always around, you know, um, how can we stand out and be different? And what I've learned in this yeah. current age is by, I, I wear all black all the time. Like it's very rare that you'll see me with a different color than black or white, but I do it on purpose to create consistency, to create mm -hmm. consistency in brand, but also uh, because my whole journey of helping others uh, really become the best versions of who they are when it comes to human human potential or success mindset or anything that has to do with personal branding and marketing. Um, it's about them. Yes. It's not about me. So I go really simple sophistication and then I just run and uh, it keeps things simple so that my time can be better spent serving. Absolutely. You know, as you were talking about that, I started thinking, I'm not so different from you in how I do things. Um, specifically, and, and listeners, I know you know this, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. And 
one of the things that has been consistently a part of me, and I, I've only really started recognizing it probably in the last five years, it's like, well, this is something that I do. And that is, generally speaking, when I hire someone to do something for me, I'm hiring them for their creative ability. Hmm. Because if it's something that I can do, I would do it. So that's the reason I hire someone else. So it, I can't tell you the number of graphic artists that I've worked with over the years that generally are flummoxed when I tell them what I want them to do, but I give them very few guidelines. I mean, just barely anything because I want their creativity to come out. I want the three or four different examples they give me to be so wildly different because it's not because I'm necessarily going to pick one of them, but I'm probably going to pick parts of all of them mm. and put them together. But that also allows them to create some amazing stuff they can add to their portfolio, which I love being able to do. So I love it. Yeah, no, that's epic. It's great. <laughs> All right. We're going to change gears a little bit here. Um, one of the things that you didn't share, but I do want you to share now, is I want you to talk about the seven years you spent as a pastor. Yeah, man. I'm like I said, I'm 33, but I've lived many lives. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll talk about um, that. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, 2007, um, I was 19 years old. Um, mm. and I dropped out of college for the second time I fouled out. I had a 1.6 GPA. Um, I haven't told this full story before, but when I was in college, I was, you know, partying a lot, drugs and cocaine, alcohol, like the whole mm. thing. Um, the first week of college as a, was I a freshman or a sophomore? I think I was a sophomore. The first week I got busted for drinking. I was at a Christian college in Palm beach, Florida. Mm. Um, and that wasn't enough of a signal for me. And the whole reason of why I went there was specifically to kind of like get things in order. Oh, okay. Um, and so basically while I was there, uh, it was kind of my time to reconnect with God. And I knew that God was tapping me on the shoulder, but I just didn't really understand what the next step was. So you know, you ever been in that situation of where, you know, faith happens by just like continuing to walk. Yeah. Um, oh, it's yeah. not even like it's, it's seemingly directionless, but you're like, I know that for today I'm in the right spot. That's kind of how it felt for me. Okay. And so, um, so yeah, while I was in college, fouled out again, and I called my father and I was like, dad, I need to come home. I don't know what, what I need to do, but I need to solve this. I just know that it's time for me to come back. And mm -hmm. um, so he was like, all right, man, it's a very prodigal son moment, went back home. And uh, my dad didn't pressure me to get involved in the church or anything, but I had uh, my buddy, Jeremy, we actually ended up working together for 13 years in a row. Like every job that we went to, we were always collaborating and oh, we're okay. contracting one another, both consultants. And um he saw me at the, uh, at the church and said, Hey, my dad or your dad mentioned that you do some things with like audio video. Would you ever be interested in like helping out? And it was my first opportunity to belong. Yeah. And, um, I'll, I'll just make sure that this point lands for people never under underestimate the power of a simple invitation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way that people grow is through invitation or challenge. You know, like I was challenging myself. I was, I could feel my, my spirit or my intuition, my inner guiding kind of very agitated. Uh, and so that I made the move, right. And drove back and moved back home. Um, 
but the thing that was interesting was that Jeremy had to have the courage to yeah. make the invitation. And by the way, Jeremy is like a really meek, very quiet, extremely introverted guy. So that was a huge step for him. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, so that's kind of how the story started. I started helping out. Uh, within two years, I was hired full time as the executive assistant uh, of, of the of the senior pastor, hmm. uh, ended up traveling around the world with him and, uh, was basically number two in that organization. And, um, that's really where I started to develop my spiritual leadership and my gifting. And that, I mean, I was coaching people through divorce and all kinds of things that like my early twenties. Now, mind you at eight years old, I'm in the middle of spiritual, spiritual warfare with my father, like while people over at our house who have deep affliction, it's, it wasn't a stranger to me. And that's why there was so much disruption in my current pattern. And if anybody's connecting the dots, it's like sometimes, you know, we step out of our calling of what we're supposed to do because of what we think that someone else said that we should do, like go to college and get a good job and do all these things. Sometimes that's just not the way that the whole story happens. And that's totally okay. There's no judgment from that. And if there's judgment, we can't learn. So that's what I figured out for myself was like, all right, well, there was opportunity where someone saw gifting, someone saw ability. And, uh, you know, then basically I went from like this kind of like rebel without a cause into being a pastor number two in the whole entire organization. And we grew that church from a thousand to 10,000 people in five years. Nice. nice. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So <laughs> help, help some of our listeners out there who have either never done that before, or that's not been their experience having lived that kind of life, that transformation that happened for you. And then going into that field, the field of, we'll call it nonprofit work, because I mean, that's mm -hmm. what it is. What are some things that you learned during that time that you're able to use today in what you do? That humanity at its core, people are really good people. Okay. They just get into circumstances, situations, uh, limiting beliefs, a lot of stories. Um, and that's really, I created a four, like four step framework when I was at the church, like I ended up figuring out how it worked. Mm -hmm. And that was that someone's story determined their belief system. Okay. And their belief system determined their values and their values determined their actions. So what I realized very quickly, and again, just like fly in the wall moment when I was there, I'm like, oh my goodness, everybody who walks into this space right now of where they need help, all of them coming in, they all have a story. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what it was, it matters what, what was going on in their life. And a lot of times for us, our stories keep us in prison to ourselves. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're holding on to that story that we have that says, well, I was, you know, this person did this thing to me or this person did this thing to me, right? You kind of go through the list of uh, this happened to me. When you start realizing that everything in your life is your fault, the magic starts to happen very quickly. And I'm not saying that just because that person did something to you, that that is your fault. But from the time that that happened forward, there is a decision or for you, there's probably a level of awareness for that person where they see like, okay, it's time for me to get on with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I say when everything is your fault, you just have to realize that you have the power and ability to change everything in your life. And you can shift anything. We all have the same potential. We're all born in the same equilibrium of talent and ability and of, you know, awareness and spiritual connection. So the idea is that we're all really foundationally the same, Bro you know, born into a broken world with hopefully hopes to see the world be a better place by the time that we leave. 
And so, yeah, I mean, the idea is that our broken stories create broken systems and those fracture points then lead to the action. And a lot of people want to change the action. My spouse is this way. My kids are this way. My coworkers are this way. My clients are this way. None of that matters. You got to get underneath the story of why you're even telling yourself that and then allow that transformational process to take place. So that's what it did for me, at, I think, at the highest level is it allowed me to understand and see that like story is the foundation of really honestly where brokenness is. And we can't get to better action and better attitudes and all of those things if we don't reclaim the story, watch it back like a movie and emotionally dissociate so that we can go, oh, okay, it wasn't what I thought it was. There's two things and I'll end with this and, and I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. There's emotional truth and there's truth. Okay. And that's the idea underneath the surface of a lot of stories that we say. And I'm noticing this with my kids sometimes. There's an emotional truth. And then there's the actual thing, you know, where my son, the other night I was putting him into bed and he was like, um, he said something like, I don't want you to throw those things out. And I was like, no, no, buddy. I was saying that I have to throw out that cup because it's gnarly or whatever. And, and he thought I was saying that I need to throw out his pictures with his handprints on it. Oh. You, emotional truth versus reality. And right. so he misunderstood. It was misrepresented. He'd understand what I was saying, whatever it may be. That happens a lot of, a lot of times to us in our lives of where we misunderstand, oh misinterpret, <laughs> misrepresent a situation. Mm -hmm. And it creates an entire narrative that could throw us 10 years off from what we're supposed mm -hmm. to do because we were not coherent in understanding of what really was going on. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, you know, for those of you who are parents who are listening, I'm sure you can relate to what Nick was talking about there. I mean, I, I think about all my kids all the time, um, especially my, my son. It, it seems like any time that I have talked to him, oh gosh, in the last 15 years, and he's 20. So <laughs> uh, whenever I find out something's going on with him and he tells me what's wrong, that's never the actual thing. It's just, it's part of the story. And I, and I almost always know I'm going to have to work at it to peel back some more layers to really get to what the underlying issue is. So as you said, emotional truth versus actual truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and there's a keen difference and um, yeah, I'm guilty of it. You know, I remember one of my stories was that my, my, my parents would not like buy us ice cream when an ice cream truck would go by that we don't have money for that story. And listen, I mean, I grew up intense, like the first 10 years of my life. You know, my father was building a new career. He was a new entrepreneur, um, ended up making six figures and then traded all in. So he'd come to our baseball games and spend time with us and literally left a hundred and plus thousand dollar a year, uh, you know, entrepreneur gig to make $18,000 a year and start over because he wanted to have time with us, yep. which I celebrate uh, about him so much. Um, but yeah, I used to have this story that like we did. And then my mom's like, that's not true. You know, and my mom and I are like super tight. So she's like, that's not true. You know, I'm like, really? And then she's like, yeah, no. And my other brother was like, dude, that's not true. They used to hook it up, man. Um, emotional truth versus actual. It probably happened one time and that's what I took away from it. But let me just kind of be reflective and say, what is it in your life and your business and your relationships or in, even in your business revenue of where you're walking into a situation, a circumstance, or walking into your own problem solving, going like, what's really going on here? My reflex is to do this, but if I pause and take a step back and really think about it, 
wherever that sticking point is typically in your business, it's a 1% shift that will change everything. Mm -hmm. And that usually has to do with the way that you're looking at the problem and also your perspective on how the solution can be had. So nice. Oh man. So much wisdom there. And that one sentence, oh my gosh. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't spend some time talking about relationships since this show is relationships <laughs> and revenue. So I want to take a little bit of a shift here. And I want to talk about your relationships at home, because I operate under the premise that if things aren't operating the way they're supposed to be at home, if our relationships at home aren't right, there's no way they're going to be right in business. Mm -hmm. So how do you work through those challenges, manage that at home so that it has not as much of an effect on your business and especially the world we live in right now in this whole COVID-19 pandemic kind of world. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you're talking to somebody who's had rather fractured relationships over my life. You know, uh, um, it is a process of relearning for me uh, in this stage. You know, I was digging through some of my notes here this morning, and um, I noticed that one of the things was a big realization point for me. And, and I'm going to I'm just going all the way there. I think relationship with self, with spirit or source, with your spouse, um, you know, those are the things that happen in that relationship space. And so one of the things I wrote down this morning um, was that, you know, when things get really difficult in life and when brokenness happens in a certain way, shape or form, you know, our business this year, at the beginning of the year, uh, around the you know, March timeline, when, when COVID became very intense, lost over half a million dollars in two days. So let me just let that sink in for some of you guys who are building businesses or have, or you're getting a flashback story right now, uh, half a million dollars in two days from COVID. And, um, you know, as a dad of three kids, five and under, and my wife has towed the line for the last few years, I've been, as I've been building the entrepreneur dream, because together right. we're building a foundation for her father. So there's a lot of why that goes behind the story and a lot of, you know, like clear and uh, intentional sacrifice around getting to the point of impact that we feel called to. Um, but, you know, when that brokenness comes in, there's a very interesting thing that happens. When we lose the sting of frustration and anger, usually it just goes down to this place of just like, I want to run. Hmm. You know, like, because the frustration and the anger that we experience in relationships or in dysfunction or, and I want it this way, but it needs to be that way. A lot of times that happens and it gives us fuel to fight. Right. Well, what's the opposite, right? It's fight or flight. So it yeah. gets to a point of where that no longer works. So then you just want to run away. And so I've been dealing with a lot of this stuff as far as just my own inner working on like, I need to go deeper and figure out something that's really underneath, like at the bottom of my soul of like, what is it really that I'm trying to achieve? What is it that I'm trying to show or to understand more so about myself because I think that peace comes when we solve the puzzle of us okay and a lot of times you know we want peace before we are willing to go through trial oh gosh that's so <laughs> right oh, man. it's like we just want the solution and the we want the mm -hmm. you know the easy button that's not how it works in relationships and again that has oh. multiple dynamics um, but with yourself with your spouse or with your source it doesn't happen if just we're peace. If it is like, okay, Merry Christmas. You did it. Uh, congratulations. You're the unique one, but that's just oh, yeah. not how it works. So I wrote this down. What is it that I really want? What is it that I really want in life? What am I trying to understand or experience for myself? 
And I wrote that I, I want to be someone that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there's times where I am so disappointed in what I see <laughs> in myself. And that's in the yeah. gauge of what I know is possible. Yeah. And here's the deal. Whenever there's judgment, there cannot be learning. So if we're judging ourselves, we can't learn, which delays the process of our own growth. Now, the reason why I'm good at this stuff, guys, and I'm 33 is because this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm so reflective, because I'm willing to go into deep layers and ask myself really hard questions of like, what am I here to do? And not just, you know, pull out my LinkedIn bio and say that this is what it's all about. It has, I don't, I don't care about that stuff at all. You know, at the end of the day, what am I really trying to figure out? And there must be a bit of brokenness for me that's that's a deeper source of like feeling like I was worth being validated or paid attention to, okay. you know? And so the replication of that problem happens by the default operating system of my mind. All right. It's going to repeat history, the past of what it knows to do, which is what okay. happened to me, mm-hmm. which were those senses of abandonment and you know being overlooked and not seen. And so... I have a very uh, contentious line in my own life and with myself of personal responsibility um, and awareness because the awareness is there, the responsibility, and now I have to go actually implement. And so for me, it's the awareness of like, okay, where am I running? Where am I not showing up? Where, where is there friction? And in what ways am I doing to my children the same thing that was done to me subconsciously (laughs) and not even knowing it's just the default. And what way am I modeling and mirroring the way that my parents' relationship was to my wife? Yep. You know, in what way am I prioritizing my clients and my business over that of my children? That is one surefire way to live with regret. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And to me, that is the ultimate dysfunction of self is to arrive to a certain point of your life where you didn't have awareness, personal responsibility, the ability to implement change. And you look back and go, man, I wish I would have done that different. That to me is the ultimate failure in life and it scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I'm with you there. Absolutely. You know, you brought something up that I wanted to point out to the listeners and make sure that they heard this uh, because I was speaking with a coaching client just last night and he was lamenting the fact that there was a particular area in his life that he was wanting to work on and he, he was expecting change because he thought, this is something that needed to change. So he was expecting it immediately. And I'm like, any lasting change in your life, a few things have to happen. I said, the first thing is there is pain that comes with change. I don't care what kind of change it is. There's pain that comes with it. And you have to evaluate for yourself. There's the pain of change and there's the pain of staying the same. Whichever one is worse, that's where it's going to happen. So when your, when your pain of staying the same becomes worse than the pain of staying the same, things change. That's when they begin. I said, so that's where you have to start. And I said, second of all, change isn't immediate. Not the kind of change he wants. He wants some, I mean, I'm talking about some deep, heavy stuff. And I'm like, you want crock pot results from a microwave and you're not going to get it. You're just not. And I, and I relayed this story, and hopefully everybody can relate to this in some way. If you're a vegan, you are not going to appreciate this. So I'll try a different story for you another time. But if you can deal with a meat story, I've got a meat story for you. So 
this was last winter. I was making something to cook and I found this piece of meat that looked good, but I saw the cut of meat that it was. And I knew it was going to be, it's a tough piece of meat. It was like a shoulder. I mean, it's really tough. Uh, there was a lot of gristle in it. I mean, I could tell just by looking at it, but it was cheap. So I bought it, but I knew, I knew that the best way to cook something like that was in a crock pot on low, spice it appropriately and leave it alone because it needed time to do its thing. And that when I waited long enough, I came back to it, fell apart, tasted amazing. But when you put a piece of meat like that and you put it on high and cook it, it's gonna be rubbery and tough and be horrible and you'll never eat it. Same thing is true when it comes to those deep, meaningful, heart-changing kinds of things in your life. If you want that kind of change in your life, Yes, you do have to take those steps, those baby steps moving forward. And it feels like you're going nowhere on those baby steps until one day you turn around and you realize you are miles down the road. How'd I get here? Itty bitty baby steps one at a time. That's how you did it. Yeah, the miracle's in the middle. <laughs> you just gotta be willing to extend uh, yourself to the process of following the cloud. You know, and that's the big idea. A lot of people want to know the how and the number one mistake that entrepreneurs make is they're trying to just build their business too fast, solving mm -hmm. problems too fast, putting everything on high heat. It just, listen, God doesn't have a microwave and he, if he wants to do a miracle, he can. But in reality, it's marinating the process. And that all happens through time. And there's nothing that you can really do to shift that entirely. So it's making peace with the process and allowing the miracle to happen right smack in the middle of the journey. And uh, that's what gets you to that other side of what really you're looking for in life and also pulls you out of a place of frustration and uncertainty. And, you know, for some people, addiction or bondage, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that's what pulls you out of that place, but you've got to make it through the middle. So yeah, stay hydrated. Absolutely. <laughs> Keep that getting... soul hydrated. <laughs> We're getting close to wrap up time, but before we get there, Nick, um, let folks know how they can find you on social media, wherever it is that you are, where can folks find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, uh, Instagram at Nick Cavuto, as well as Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash Nick Cavuto. And um, yeah, uh, you can also jump over to my website, nickcavuto.com. I'm also on YouTube, but uh, if you just want to look up my name and then subscribe to my channel, that'd be amazing because I need a hundred subscribers in order to uh, get my URL dialed in. So uh, would love that. And uh, yeah, I just started building that uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So nice. that'd be awesome. And yeah, those are the best places to find me, no doubt. All right. Well, we're going to get to our final four here. Um, believe it or not, listeners, I'm doing exactly what Nick talked about. You, if, for those of you who get to see the video, this is my phone. I am on YouTube right now. Bam! Subscribed. Thanks, cool. brother. <laughs> I am in. I am That's dialed awesome. in now. So I don't just talk about doing it, people. I do it. Boom. So, so we are in. I want right. one more thing, John. Actually, yeah, yeah. on November 1st, I'm launching uh, my podcast, which I probably should mention. It's called Mentoring Millions. Nice. And uh, it's launching on November 1st. And that's really like my, it's going to be my life platform and mission. Uh, and yeah, we're in it to mentor entrepreneurs. And um, for my wife's foundation, for her father, Michael Makowski, it's going to be all centered around teaching entrepreneurship to uh, 
to kids and uh, also to nice. single moms. So okay. So we'll be doing that. That I'll, I'll come back to this in five years and be like, remember when we talked about it? Uh, but yeah, oh, that's yeah. the vision long-term, brother. Nice. Love that. Love that. All right. So here's our final four. Are you ready? I'm ready, dude. Okay. <laughs> Question number one. Why did God create Nick? To be a gift to humanity. Okay. Gift to humanity. All right. Question number two. What are you reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Magic words. And that's by? I don't know. <laughs> all right. But that, but that's I can look book. it up though. But that's yeah, a it's book. a book. It's called Magic Words. And it's all around really the power of words and what we say. It's okay. in my Kindle. It's in my Kindle app. All right. But yeah, it's like a purplish front. Uh, yeah. You'll know if you see it. All right. Listeners, we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. We'll have a link to the book for you. It's called Magic Words. All right. Question three, and it's, it's two parts. Favorite thing for you to do with your wife that we can talk about in the podcast? <laughs> Dude, our, our, our deal is traveling. We love okay. traveling and having shared experiences in that way. Yeah. Sweet traveling. And your favorite thing to do with your, your whole family? Same thing? Um, Honestly, it's like the simple things. It's like our okay. nightly walks. It's just nice. nearly therapeutic. It's just spending time and everybody's behaving themselves. And <laughs> it's like the <laughs> well, one time okay. of no chaos. You know, so yeah, that that's really special. But for my wife and I, whether we're planning or we're actively like on trips, that's we always have a trip we're looking forward to. So nice, which I'm sure has been hard this year. Very hard. Yeah, Cabo's next. So that's okay. what we're keeping our eyes on right now. Nice, <laughs> nice. All right. And question number four. What are you most grateful for? Kindness of people. Okay. That, that, is, that is a very unique answer. I have not had that yet. So mm. appreciate that. I do. Yeah, dude. Sweet. All right, listeners, you have been given a treat today. You have been given so much insight from my friend, Nick Cavuto. He has shared from his heart deeply. And I want to encourage you, especially for those of you who are entrepreneurs, man, if you want somebody to connect with, you want somebody to learn from, Nick is your guy. Go out to his website, nickcavuto.com, find ways to connect with him. He already told you he's got a brand new podcast coming out November 1st, 2020. So be looking for that. And when it comes out, I will be posting it up for all of you to see. I'll be sharing links to it so you'll be able to connect with him that way. So I will definitely make sure that it's available for all of you to check out what he has to say and the fantastic guests that I know he's going to have on there that will help encourage you as entrepreneurs to become the best that you can possibly be. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate yes. you, man. All right. <laughs> Thank you all for listening in today, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.